This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Welcome to the Fight Back Podcast, Leah. Everyone, I am here with Leah Hartman, who is the founder of a program called Empowered, which I cannot wait for you all to hear about. She is an exercise physiologist in training. She's got a background in martial arts and weightlifting and nutrition. There's so much we're going to dig into today, but Leah, can you please do a better job of introducing yourself to everyone? Sure, Georgia. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm super excited to be on your podcast and honored to just be a part of um, your world for just a little bit. Um, But yeah, my name is Leah and I am a weightlifting, strength and conditioning, nutrition coach. Um, I teach some self-defense courses to women and I started a program called Empowered, which is all about the transformative and healing powers of wellness and the different facets that we can embrace to overcome obstacles. Amazing. Okay. One of the things that really stood out to me when you mentioned coming on the podcast, so for everyone who doesn't know, Leah and I met through the Trauma-Informed Weightlifting Program or Workshop, which is run by Mark and Mariah from the Justice Research Institute who, fingers crossed, we're going to have on the show soon to talk more about that program. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was your personal experience with this thing that we talk about on the show, which is this idea that martial arts save people. And we usually mean that figuratively, right, in terms of, like, it stopped me from doing drugs, it kept me off the streets, it gave me purpose in life. But I think martial arts literally saved you. Yes. Um, So yeah, so the way that I got to where I am today, um, I I consider it a silver lining. Um, But unfortunately, I was assaulted and martial arts literally saved my life. Um, When I was attacked, I was able to disarm the situation, defuse it and leave relatively unharmed. Um, Went on to take this individual to court and unfortunately, that caused a lot of trauma in itself, that whole process. But with regards to the attack and the, ins- the assault, um, martial arts empowered me through that situation to then help other women uh, feel empowered and safe to protect themselves. And that's how I started uh, the self-defense teachings and all of that as well. So, so that's what happened to me. What was your experience afterwards with PTSD? How did it affect you? Oh, yeah. So it, PTSD virtually affects every aspect of your life. Um, I was getting about two to three hours of sleep a night, um, lock, loss of appetite. I was anxious all the time. I was always cold. I would have nightmares and flashbacks. Uh, I just always felt pretty separated from the world, almost cut off. Um, it was really, really hard. And so weightlifting and fitness, nutrition, martial arts it was all a way for me to kind of connect back with my body and and be present so it saved me in that way as well (laughs) yeah let's talk through that did you take like a structured approach to that and think okay I'm going to spend this time connecting to my body or were there coaches that helped you with that or was it just an escape 
It was just an escape. And as I'm a coach myself, um, I have a weightlifting coach. Um, So he, Joe uh, Black is his name from Prototype Barbell Club. He really helped me um, individualize my programming so that it took into account the unique uh, experiences of PTSD. So on days when I was really, really tired, we focused more on movement patterns um, and things like that. And on days when I had the energy, we would push it a little bit harder. But with regards to the martial arts, I have um, a torn ACL and plates and screws in my ankle from other things. So it makes it hard for me to practice um, like combat on a regular like you know occasion, but it really inspired me to help other women. So the martial arts piece for me has really predominantly been teaching other people self-defense. How did you get started into martial arts? Did you start in Kung Fu or kickboxing? So I started Kung Fu when I was about nine years old and I continued it for a very, very long time. And it also morphed into kickboxing. And then I was in the boxing club in college and all of that. So that's kind of how I got started. But um, I have my black belt in Kung Fu. And I just think that there's nothing that else that can do what martial arts does in terms of um, just that release. Uh, just the feeling, the outlet of just being able to let go and kind of burn off the energy you have, whether it's positive or negative, it's just a different kind of experience than other sports can give you. Yeah, for sure. I love that way of framing it, that it's, that it, it's a different way to burn off energy because it is right. It's one of the things we talk about here is lots of sports save people figuratively, right? It, mm-hmm. I think once you find a purpose, we have something it gives you structure and you go all the time. And that's one of the things that people talk about a lot to when we say, you know, why do you think we hear it so often? But you're so right. Like it, it is a different way to burn off energy. It's like your body wants to fight and you let your body fight back. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's because I was already a coach and in the fitness world, I already had structure. Fitness has been ingrained in my life for so long that for me it was it flipped my world upside down when the assault happened. But um, because I already had that pre-existing structure, I think that like fitness saved me, martial arts, um, nutrition, because of those habits that are so ingrained. So it only validated how important these other aspects of fitness and wellness are to one's just whole well-being. How, how have you used that insight into developing the empowered program that you have now? Actually, let's let's backpedal a little bit. Tell us more about Empowered. What is the program? What does it look like? What kind of women do you work with? How is it? Sure. Sure. So I started Empowered formally um, at the start of COVID mm-hmm. when I noticed that all of my clients were kind of going into this disassociative stress state. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really stressed. They were getting injured more frequently. They weren't sleeping well. Their nutrition habits were going out the window. They were feeling less motivated. And I predominantly work with women um, and I just noticed that the stress was starting to impact their entire well-being and their ability to have any sort of normal routine. So in my process of having overcome an assault and PTSD and then experiencing all these clients who are now in a stressful situation, um, I started to share my own story with some of them so that I could relate and and that they knew that they weren't alone. And it ended up that... um, Many, many people that I know and have worked with have also unfortunately experienced a traumatic event or or an assault. And I remember, I think from our course, it's something like 80% of people have experienced a traumatic event in life. So this really inspired me to say, you know, there's a way to heal 
through weightlifting and sport and martial arts and everything and to feel empowered and safe again in your body. And I do believe that anyone going through any stress should have an outlet that's physical, emotional, um, and just connects somebody to their body and well-being. So that's kind of how that started. And I just integrated everything that I've been doing. Uh, I feel like it kind of brought me to this moment. And currently, we've had over 136 women come through programs. I ran a, a ditch the diet, um, anti-diet kind of program in December. We had 100 and something, 105 participants, I believe. And um, I've been putting people through it ever since. And we have a self-defense clinic coming up in April, which I'm really, really excited about. The goal is 100 participants um, to help women feel more safe and empowered to protect themselves. Because one thing I noticed was that when COVID came, a lot of self-defense classes shut down because of social distancing, but assault still happens, whether there's COVID or not. So I think it's really, really important that these resources are still out there. Absolutely. I'm not sure about the state. I would assume it's similar, but um, assault increased in Australia when COVID happened because people were stuck in their homes. There was much more financial stress. There was stress. And, you know, I think something like some of the um, like community programs that would take women in saw a triple uptake of people trying to flee wow. domestic violence situations. So, yeah, your work is incredibly important during COVID. I think especially important during COVID. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, thank you so much. How are you running the programs around COVID then? Are you teaching online? Are you teaching with social distancing? How are you doing that? Yeah, so um, I work out of a facility in Westboro, Massachusetts called Prototype training systems. And we set up in the parking lot actually for most of the, the year while it was warm out. And um, we have people in the facility now, but we have um, plastic barriers. People are almost like cubed in. So we have everyone in their own cube for classes and group settings. There's no sharing of equipment or anything like that. Um, oops, did I lose you? Am I there? No, you're you froze for, for a second. Okay, sorry about that. No, no, that's probably our internet. <laughs> it's raining here. When it rains in Australia, oh. the internet goes. Okay, oh. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, it looks like we're back. We're back. Um, but we also, we, we did a quick pivot and we took everything virtual the day after we were shut down. <laughs> so I teach multiple classes a day that are virtual and then I teach live classes and then I have clients that are spread all over Um that are virtual and in person as well. So we're kind of doing a little bit of everything. And how do you teach self-defense virtually? So, so that's a little bit unique. Um, I've set up clinics where I teach kind of, I like to put a little fun spin on it because it can be a topic that can be uncomfortable. Um, so I come up with like five to six basic skills. Um, I have something called, let me take a selfie where, you know, somebody at a drunk party maybe comes up and gets feely while they're, you know, taking a photo with you, how to disarm that, how to get out of a wrist lock. Um, so what I have them do is bring an advocate that they've already been socially exposed to. And I actually find that by doing so, we're helping one extra person. Um, and if it's a man in the woman's life, then that man becomes a lot more socially informed about the issues that women face. And the feedback for men has been that like, wow, I, I didn't know that this happened so frequently. I didn't know, um, that women really need to learn this. And it, it scares me to think about my partner, you know, being in a situation like this and 
Um, I think it creates awareness and that's the first step to change. So it's been, it's been difficult to orchestrate at times, but I think that the impact has been able to ripple out a little bit because of it. I love that so much. That is such a fantastic idea. I think, you know, it's really easy to get stuck in the people you can't help to, you know, like your default might think, oh, if people are still in abusive situations, of course they can't have help or, you know, what about people who are living alone? But at the end of the day, like you said, 80% of people have experienced a traumatic event. One in three women have been assaulted, one in three children. So the you know, the amount of people that need help is so vast that any way that you can help is going to help. And we always want to make sure access isn't an issue. But in some ways, especially with COVID, you kind of got to roll with it. And that's what you guys are doing. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited for this clinic that we're going to have in April. Um, We partner with Calling All Crows, which is a music themed. um, so, So do you know the band Dispatch? No. Okay. So Chadwick Stokes is of that band. Um, He started this foundation called Calling All Crows and they start a campaign called Here for the Music. And it's a sexual assault prevention um, program for festivals and group gatherings where there's music involved. So we started doing fundraisers for them. And so this fundraiser in April for the self-defense clinic, um, we're going to actually give the proceeds all to this organization that helps prevent sexual harassment and abuse at um, music festivals. So we're excited to be a part of that and kind of morph worlds and combine different different aspects of just fun, holistic well-being. That is amazing. Well done. We'll definitely put all the details to that in the show notes and, you know, people who are local to you, how they want to get involved and can people digitally get involved with this program as well? I guess they can, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. We have a bunch of opportunities for people to get involved either virtually or live in person. So, yeah, definitely. We're super excited about it. So great. Um, I want to talk more about this trauma sensitive lens. So Empowered works with nutrition, with movement and with exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that, are those kind of the, are they the pillars or am I missing um, well, and some martial arts as, as well. And martial arts. Yes. And yeah, included in that movement. Yeah. What's different about the way that you would teach each of those things compared to say a regular exercise program? Sure. That's a great question. So when we enter a regular exercise program, it can be very goal oriented, but what happens when we experience trauma is that goals become this illusory thing that it's not, we, we lack that organization in thought process or in just how we cope and having, you know, more central nervous system considerations and things like that. It becomes very hard to say, okay, I'm going to set a short-term goal. That's going to become a long-term goal because healing is not always linear. So I like to take a process oriented approach instead, and I'll do a very personal interview that kind of dives deep into every aspect of that person's kind of wellness and we'll kind of identify the spots where they're struggling the most. And those will be our focus points. But I do a lot of visualization exercises, meditation, mindfulness, basically helping women to connect back to their body. Um, We can have, we call them like rage sessions where they can come and lift really, really heavy weight and 
grunt and shout whatever they need to do to just release that energy. Um, and then sometimes we will look at their nutrition because nutrition and sleep are super important components of the healing process that often get overlooked um, and everything like that. So, so that's kind of how I take a prescriptive model approach. It's very individualized and every day is different. Um, and we super, we celebrate all the small wins too, because I think just showing up as a, as a big win when you're healing from trauma. Definitely. I know you said that the program that you ran was called ditch the diet. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that that would have a lot of emphasis on great foods to start to include into your diet to facilitate both health and healing, right. Rather than, you know, things that you want to eat less of or not eat or, you know, set portion meals. Is that kind of what it's like? Yeah, absolutely. So ditch the diet is a philosophy that basically looks at diet culture, which which is this philosophy or this belief system that prioritizes thinness and certain beauty standards. So the whole idea was to empower women to see through the visage of diet culture proclaim that they ditch it so that they can start rebuilding their inner confidence. And then we start teaching them how to create a wholesome nutrient dense and balanced diet that is free of the myths that diet culture tells us because many of us grew up in a society where they were inundated with these diet culture myths or commercials. um, And they were led to believe that their body had to look a certain way. And many women are, are like astounded to, to find out that, that carbs are good for them or that fat's not bad for them. So it's a largely educational program. And then we work on the behavior modification piece after that with some one-on-one coaching. Are there any foods in particular that you recommend that you people include into their diets or just like a couple of real gem foods that are great for like promoting healing? So reducing anxiety, sense of well-being, like any great foods people can be like at the supermarket thinking, you know what Leah said about that? I'm going to try and eat more, <laughs> I don't know, blackberries or something. <laughs> sure. Um, so I don't really believe in one superfood or anything like that, but what I do believe is the more color, the better. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend that people stick to the outskirts of the grocery store. I'm not sure how stores are set up in Australia, but for us, the groceries, uh, the fresh produce lines, the outskirts of the store. And so I always recommend, um, I'm a big fan of moderation, like 80, 20, 80% um, from the outskirts or fresh produce. And then maybe go pick your favorite things that are in that 20% category where you can also really enjoy and have pleasure foods as well, because part of healing, um, which people often overlook is this idea of pleasure and being okay with being in the moment and enjoying and savoring food. So I always have clients take any food that they perceive to be forbidden and start trying to add that back in so that that guilt and shame kind of dissipates. Cause a lot of healing is about releasing that guilt and shame and it can become intertwined with a lot of different areas in our life. So. I love that. Um, it's not quite the same here in Australia with the supermarket, like lining around the outside. Ours tend to be, uh, depends a lot on the supermarket, but like you'll go left or right and one end will be the fresh stuff and then the other ah. end will be all of the aisles and maybe the back rows, the deli. They vary, they vary so much. It's frustrating. You can't just go into yeah. any supermarket and know where you're going to go. I guess I suppose that's by design. You've got to go to as many different 
aisles as possible and look at different things. Um, what about the sleep piece? What are some of the things you recommend for people to improve their sleep quality? quality? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that sleep is probably the number one predictor of um, like how stressed you are. We have this thing called heart rate variability and that can be greatly affected by trauma. And when we actually track our sleep patterns and things of that nature, we can see the amount of time we're spending in different phases of sleep. We have the REM cycle, slow wave sleep and, and deep sleep. And if we're not getting that slow wave deep sleep, then we're not truly recovering from a central nervous system perspective. Um, and so I really like people to um, establish a, a habitual bedtime routine. So that's one of the biggest things is maybe meditating before bed, eliminating screen time an hour to two hours before bed, not drinking water so that you're not getting up for pee breaks or bio breaks, you know, during sleep, things like that will set us up to have a more um, consistent sleep schedule and wake schedule. So tips like going to bed and waking up at the same time every day, um, you could also meditate in the middle of the night. If you get woken up from a flashback or a bad dream, there's apps like Headspace. Have you heard of Headspace? Yeah. Yeah. I love Headspace. They have a little um, meditation. It's called SOS and it's for when you get woken up from a bad dream. Um, so I always recommend that people kind of reinforce their sleep habits with things that they can do for prevention and then things that they can do when they are actually in the middle of a situation where they're lacking in sleep. What would you say if somebody can't meditate so i've got clients and I've, over the last year spoken to a lot of people who are suffering from ptsd and just closing their eyes and focus on focusing on their breath or you know focusing on nothing it seems to be harder than doing kickboxing or doing weightlifting or doing some kind of an activity because that stillness kind of allows all these thoughts to come in or it just has them rawly connected to their body and that can feel like a little bit too much. Uh, and mm -hmm. often those are the kind of people who will look for distractions in the lead up to bedtime. When there's less tasks to do, they'll, you know, watch TV or be on screens or, you know, not for any bad reason other than they're just looking for something to kind of distract to pass the time so that they're not in their thoughts. What advice would you give someone who's thinking, I want to go to bed early, I'd love to meditate, but I'm not there yet. What could I be doing? Absolutely. So I call them active wellness or mindfulness sessions. And I try to figure out what people are passionate about. So for me, I play music. Um, I find music to be very cathartic and relaxing. And it's a way for me to connect with my body and breath, but without having to be still or with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll always recommend people could sing or listen to relaxing music. Um, anything where they can connect or find a rhythm in their body is going to help them feel a little bit more aligned and at peace. I also recommend that people um, can do like a mindset walk where they're focusing on their breath during a walk or something like drawing or journaling is something I often recommend as well. I love that. Yeah, those are all great ideas. I think walking is especially good because, you know, when life gets busy and you end up eating later, it's another one of those things that can tend to affect your sleep if you're eating too close to bedtime, your body's trying mm -hmm. to focus on resting and digesting. Um, it Walking seems to really help kickstart that digestion and then ease you a little bit into bed. I love doing that myself. Yes. And one of the things that does come up, though, is that if someone has had significant trauma, walking in the dark isn't always a safe place to, to be. So that one is actually one that 
doesn't get used that much by my clients, I think, for that reason. But I do think um, the other ones, especially like the drawing and the journaling, tend to be a really good way to just put something down on paper, connect with the pen, and focus on your breath as you're doing it. So, yes, so true. In summer, I always seem to forget that it gets gets dark after <laughs> after dinner time. So here, it's summer here, and so it's light. Until, oh, okay, it's light until after nine p.m. <laughs> What but time is it there? It's 9.30 a.m. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. It's, yeah, it's evening, I think, there in the States now, yeah? Yeah, it's 5.30 at, at night. So we're at the opposite ends thinking about the different things. <laughs> Absolutely. What about the, so the martial arts aspect of Empowered, is it self-defense only or is it also like boxing, kickboxing for fitness? Like what does that side of it look like? Sure. So I used to teach kickboxing on a weekly basis, um, but right now it's just self-defense. So I'm the only one doing Empowered right now or leading Empowered, and there's a lot of clients and interests, so it's very hard to do um, all of it all the time. So I try to do things in almost like focus blocks. I'll run a nutrition program, and then I'll do a personal training program focused on trauma, and then I'll maybe hit the self-defense, and we'll focus on a block of that so that women can try all sorts of different things and find what resonates best with them. Um, so yeah, so so starting in April, we start up the self-defense classes again. That's cool. Oh, that's exciting. We'll have to keep everybody posted about when those come out again through our social media channels. What about the weightlifting side of it? What are you guys doing? You mentioned a couple of things that were important for you, but what's different in the weightlifting part of Empowered? Sure. So the weightlifting part of Empowered is really about um, embracing adversity, overcoming obstacles. And I find that a lot of women who are coming in who have encountered trauma or significant stress have a little bit of fear of of being strong or of um, taking up or occupying space, so to speak. So when we start to weightlift, they're always underestimating their strength. We'll often hear, I can't do that or you know, that's too heavy. And we obviously prioritize safety, but we do want to teach women that it's okay to, you know, be strong and to take up space and to put significant amounts of energy and focus into something. So when they come in, we'll really focus on connecting the breath to the movement and we'll really drill mechanics in a safe and slow understanding way so that they get comfortable. And then once they get that confidence, we start to kind of increase the weight and do some progressive overloading so that they can kind of realize their own strengths. I love it. So if we do a recap for anyone who maybe doesn't have access to the program or is in a situation where for whatever reason they feel like they want to kind of build some kind of that sort of program on their own, we look at all the pillars. So ditch your diet. Um, you know, I think there's forums you can get onto as well to have other people around you who are talking about not being into diets, maybe follow you guys on social media, surround yourself mm -hmm. with more positive media around, you know, body positivity, around not food shaming. If you're not eating carbs, bring back carbs. I promise you I spent years not eating carbs because yes. I was maintaining a lean fighters figure and I completely tanked my hormones they're still tanked to this day and I'm mm -hmm. totally building them back up um so I always always thought fats are the most important things for hormones because hormones are made of fats and they are for, for that reason they are important but they're both important and especially for women you guys all of the research on keto diets is 
not all of it, but the majority is done on men and women are a little bit different. Like we need to have a bit more body fat for what we're doing. Um, so Absolutely. ditch your diet, figure out what foods you, you love and have a little bit each week. Don't demonize any foods. Try and eat the rainbows, stick to the edges or the, the fresh section of the supermarket. Um, and, you know, find someone to do that with, I think, too. If you're not joining a program like Leah's, um, then find a buddy who's going to you know, encourage you and motivate you to stick with it or just make it feel a little bit more fun. Um, for your exercise, believe in yourself. You can lift more than you think. Let's get your movement patterns right. Let's get you breathing and then lifting really, really heavy things. Like all women can lift crazy yes. heavy things. Listen. <laughs> uh, in terms of martial arts, just get into some if you want to start, I think just find a facility that's going to make you feel comfortable to be able to, like you said, release some of this energy in the most beautiful way, the most primal way. Uh, and then in terms of your sleep, just trial and error and work out a routine. This sounds like advice that everyone's probably heard before at this stage. Charging <laughs> is becoming pretty well known, but, you know, work on something that's going to work for you. I think I like what you said about having a really good routine. I think the habit, and maybe it became less so during COVID, of having a routine sleep and wake-up time Monday to Friday because that's when you get up and go to work or whatever. But then on the weekend, you stay up really late and you sleep in really mm -hmm. late and how difficult it is to get back into a, a routine on Monday after that rather than just consistently doing the same thing and, you know, then making more out of your mornings on the weekends rather than your, your evenings is... Um, something that you know, I think everyone has to consider because I think your social life is really important and connecting with people in your community and you don't want to just like upend everything but you can look at some of the little things but like Leah said we've got um, meditating before bed meditating with the Headspace app if you do wake up not drinking too much water just before you go to bed so that you're not getting up to go to the toilet um, or doing activities like journaling or listening to music or singing or going for a walk if it's safe for you to do so, so that you can start a wind down process that's aligned with what makes you happy with what you like doing. Yes, absolutely. And I always tell people too that don't ever be afraid to try something new and to fail um, because we always learn from failure. And I always tell people too that to start small, a lot of people will say, okay, I'm going to run a marathon, but they haven't started running yet. So I always tell people, just look at the next day ahead of you. What do you need to do to get to that day? What do you need to do to build on that step? And all of a sudden, all these little steps build up to something, something really great. So always slow and steady and just be patient with yourself and don't be afraid to reroute if you hit some obstacles. Yes, I love that. I think especially for type A people who are very goal-oriented, it's sometimes difficult to step back and focus on the process, but there's so much research showing that doing that means you'll have a better chance of getting to those outcomes that you do want to end up getting to anyway, rather than always focusing on those. So those are very, very wise words, I think. <laughs> Thank is, you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with women who might be listening to this podcast? Yes. I think that when we encounter a traumatic situation and we're kind of in it, um, stuck in this, this kind of feeling of 
discouragement or just not being at peace with our body or our mind, um, just know that there is a light um, and that you can always get through anything. Um, but definitely, like you said, Georgia, surround yourself with community. Don't be afraid to reach out. You never know what somebody else has gone through. And just remember that um, uh, the sad statistics that we talked about earlier, there's probably a woman that's in your sphere that can relate to you. So being open and sharing your story when you're ready, of course, um, is not only a brave thing to do, but it can be quite a healing thing to do. Yeah, I love that. So beautifully put and so brave of you to come on and talk about your experiences and talk about it to everyone. Um, oh, thank you. You're touching already a couple hundred people's lives and I'm sure the ripple, <laughs> the ripple effect of that just goes infinitely. How do people get in touch with you and get learn more about the Empowered program? Where are you all over the internet? Yeah, so you guys can find me on Instagram at EmpoweredRx. So just Empowered Rx. And then I'm located at Prototype Training Systems in Westboro, Massachusetts. My email is leah, L-E-A-H, at prototypetraining.com. So I would love to hear any comments, questions, or just any experiences that you listeners have had. Um, super excited to get to know Georgia a little bit more, and hopefully we can collaborate in the future. Absolutely. We'll put all those details in the show notes. So click on them, check them out, especially if you're in the state. But, you know, like, especially since COVID, it's a worldwide world now. So, you know, we 